Welcome back to the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. Uh, first of all, apologies for not uh, getting a podcast out for a while. I had to do some classes here and then go up to Colorado and do a couple classes and then came back and did some interesting training for some school districts. We can talk about that a little bit if you want, but uh, we're going to get to get right to it here. Uh, first podcast back, we're going to have some new people coming in, but I wanted to go back to my good friend, Frank Galley. Frank, welcome to the podcast, sir. Hey guys, how's everybody doing there? Happy to be here again. Man, well, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I wanted to visit with you a little bit about what what I've been doing and what you've been doing. I know you went up uh, you went up to Alaska again. Yeah, we finished um did our classes. I got one more trip to Alaska for a float hunt that I'm going to be doing in September. But yeah, we did our Alaska classes June and July cycle, and I always love it up there. I mean, you know, uh, Alaska is just one of those untapped areas. That's a ton of fun. And then um, I got to shoot a little LE comp up there, too. That was interesting. Really? Tell me about that. Yeah. yeah so they do. Uh, there's one of our students, James Drayton, up there. Hosts, uh, I think this is second or third. I'm not sure his number. Uh, uh, LE comp called Arctic Guardian. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, um, hang on, I'm going to burp there. Uh, it's handgun carbine and precision rifle. They do pretty straightforward handgun. Although they had this one like 200 yard running gun handgun stage, which was cool. And then they do like a 200 yard carbine where you start off prone, shoot paper, run down, and then shoot a bunch of weird stuff and then run back and run forward. Um, from there, you go to the precision rifle section, which had a, a, a like a pure type stage. It had a pretty straightforward stage and then had a thousand yard uh almost like a defilade but a blind stage Mm -hmm. where they put a board up and they had a target at a thousand you can't see it in the prone your spotter is supposed to guide you in okay and and so he tells you i ended up cleaning that stage so it was pretty funny um i mean it's my home range up there you know yeah so like i know the wind and all that stuff but yeah we've just been super busy we just did a, a fort morgan class this uh weekend i just finished it on sunday mark went back to alaska yesterday so right. um and then i've been doing the um the stuff with chris way the rifle craft uh usa the universal skills assessment mm. so him and i have been trying to flush that stuff out yeah uh just to do things a little bit different um than hey man let me the, stop you, you know, right there hold on let me stop you you, you come back to this okay did yeah, I? Yeah, hear, we will. All right. Did I hear you say float hunt? Yes, I'm oh. going on a float hunt uh, in September. Uh, dude, the last time you we were on, you were telling us all about that. We talked for two hours about your 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 canoe trip in Alaska. You're going to do it again? Yeah, I'm going. We're doing uh, more like 120 miles this time. Last time I did 70 miles. Yeah. And we had a really small raft, so we called a moose in the first day. Uh, nice big giant guy, and we couldn't take him because he was too big yeah and and so we couldn't so this time uh we got uh, we're going up and we're uh rented some extra rafts so each one of us will have a gear raft and uh we're gonna go up and go in a different area we're not flying in because we couldn't get a flight to where we needed to go because we're going up towards the arctic circle okay and so i'm gonna do like a eight nine day 120 mile float and if I happen to see something worthy of putting a bullet in, I'm going to put a bullet in it. Nice. You going with the same off. lady? Yeah. Yeah. With Karen and stuff. Um, she did her 10th Iditarod this year. Yeah. 
so she's ready to go and do all that. And then, you know, she gets the animals for the dogs too. Yeah. You know, the extra meat and all that stuff helps feed 30 dogs right. when you're an Iditarod musher and you're dealing with dogs. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to be doing that and, and running up there. And I'm actually going to bring a gun with me that's capable of taking Alaskan game. Yeah. Okay. Is she going to take a, something better than a, than a 10 millimeter pistol? Yeah, yeah. Although the ten millimeter came in handy, I have to say I needed it. Um, when the when the bears came, you know that was basically the only deterrent I had was the ten mil. Yeah. Uh, to tell the the three grizzlies they need to go home and leave me alone, which yeah. they did. They and weren't you, interested in eating. And you you do know that like the bear spray is not is not to be done like like mosquito spray, right? You know, just put it on. Well, for I, I've been told up there in Alaska that bear spray is nothing more than Tabasco sauce for yeah. the bears. Yeah. What was that so joke that said? Whenever you, whenever you run across a scat from a, a brown, you know, they tell you to wear bells and all that other kind of crap to keep the grizzlies yeah, away. Yeah. But whenever you run across a, a black bear, the scat has like berries and stuff like that in it. But when it's a grizzly bear, it has you know berries and bells. <laughs> mm-hmm, berries and bells. Yes. Yeah. And and I'm actually going to go next year in May. I'm going to go up before our June cycle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go up early, and I'm probably going to do a. a a spring bear hunt. We got one of the guys is a guide up there is a student friend and everybody. He came up um, in June mm-hmm. and him and I were talking, he does the spring bear hunt. So, you know, where that's one of those cases where you end up like shooting three or four of them. Right. Cause they're all coming in on you. Right. But yeah. I'm going to probably go do a May spring bear hunt next year. too. Well, cool. What gun are you taking Frank? Um, well, we'll see. I got my 300 PRC, but I'm, I'm, got a habit coming from glenn seekins i stopped up at seekins and i had him uh you know order me a, a havoc hunting rifle the element version yeah. yeah yeah so i'm probably gonna do that and that's in 6.5 prc um so that's plenty to take a moose and still give me what i need and stuff um you, you know with that but um yeah i'm gonna do a, a, a seekins havoc the element version in 6.5 prc all right. Well, cool, man. Well, <clears throat> you know, you shouldn't uh, shouldn't put down that old, you know, forty five seventy lever action, Frank. No, you know what? We may take one because Mark has the forty five seventy, the stainless he uses for bear. Yeah, that may come with me as well as a bear gun. But the lever actions are huge, man. And I'm I'm actually these new skeletonized. Yep. tricked out lever actions are yep. so cool yeah i tell you i i uh, got one i have one uh a marlin there's nothing fancy about it it's wooden stock you know stainless steel gun and it had leaf sights on it and i don't know if i talked about it on the podcast or not before but uh, a few years ago i shot an elk with it and i wanted to go out to i wanted to go out to just you know check the zero on it and you know shooting a 350 grain swift day frame round out of that thing you know i knew I knew it was going to give as good as it gets. You know, in other words, I was going to, I was going to take a pounding whenever I shot this gun. So to go check it out. I, I put, you know, I put up a target at a hundred and I bagged this gun in as good as I possibly could. Got my, you know, my best, I mean, following my fundamentals as best I could. I wanted to zero this thing in two rounds simply because I didn't want to shoot it any more than that. And uh, so I shot it. It was about six inches low. On, left the gun right there, went straight to the internet. How do I adjust these leaf sights? I haven't adjusted them since I, my Daisy BB gun days back when I was a baby. Yeah. And so <laughs> right, right. I went and got that sorted out, made the adjustment, impacted about an inch from where I was wanted the bullet to go. I said, you know what? That's close enough. And so I, I shot that. I did that on the morning. So I ended up shooting that gun three times 
one, to see where it was, two, to check to make sure the zero adjustment was right, and three, to, to kill the elk. And it just, man, it, it, it was something else. It was uh, definitely a one-shot kill. Uh, about That wasn't far, 79 yards, something like that. But, man, I tell you, that 4570 has, has got a lot of people intrigued. I'd gone to the website after that because I was going to get another tricked-out one. And they were just not available. And a buddy of mine just got one the other day. And he got the one that you were talking about, you know, the the one that's all tricked out with, you know, the got pick rails on it and it's skeletonized and all that. I bet it's going to kick like a mule too. It, well, they suppress them too now. So oh, yeah. I was even thinking of using like the, um, they, uh, the Osprey I have. I have a silence to co-Osprey. Uh-huh. And you see a lot of Ospreys on them. So I think I, if I put one together and I'm thinking about it yeah. uh, for the lever action, I'm going to do the, uh, uh, I'm going to suppress it and do that. But Mark, Mark's huge into the lever guns because that's what he hunts with. He's wrote two books, uh, Hunting Hard in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And he talks about those calibers that it's, it's meat plat. You know, yep. he, he wants a big, fat, wad cutter yep. meat plat for these animals up there. Right. And honestly, when you're in Alaska and you see everything, they're dinosaurs, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you, you're shooting dinosaurs all day. And, and so you've got to have something that can, that can take chunks. Yeah. Of them out and not just put a hole in them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the thing about this thing is so strange, you know, they hit like a freaking freight train, but they're only starting out like 18, 1900 feet per second. But you know, you get that big old bullet moving that fast, you know, and they're not, they're not for, you know, the 600 yard shots. You know what I mean? They're for, they're for up close. Right. right. And uh, I tell you what, they definitely, there's a reason that that cartridge is still around. And you know, it's kind of, it's a weird topic that you're talking because I, we get so many hunters in Alaska. Oh yeah. From the sure. class. Well, yeah, for sure. And they all bring those like different hunting rifles, not the lever guns. We've had a couple of the Browning lever styles, yeah, um, but not they're not traditional lever guns. They're just lever cocking. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's just weird to me that we could be doing so much better, and we really should be breaking down, like sort of hunting into that short, medium, in in sort of medium long range. Yeah, I can and see adjusting that. Adjusting the rifles. It, it, as as necessary because i mean guys are showing up with brand new stuff to go out and shoot like caribou and moose and it's easy to get a three those 600 yard shot on that stuff. oh yeah for sure um but the guns are designed to shoot at like you're saying inside 100 yards yep yep and they have such a hard time practicing or understanding or even getting the zero right which is why you got the pie plate attitude yeah you know like that's good enough but i really do think we need to we need to focus on the hunting side and fix a little bit on the marksmanship and on the weaponry the weaponry still stuck in 1958 yeah you know like nothing's changed from when your dad and all this stuff you know you've gone outside the box and hunted with tactical rifles but on the hunting side you can get a brand new one today that looks exactly like one of your oldest dad's rifles. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It, it, believe me, he's got the old, the old Henry lever actions and all of that too. So it's 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 kind of it's kind of interesting, you know. But you know, you bring that up. I had a I had a private instruction not long ago, and Frank, it was two days. We never left a hundred yards. Not because we couldn't. It's just that where this guy hunts. I mean, he he knows his property, and it's here in Texas. And his furthest shot would be like, you know, maybe 95 yards. And so he just wanted to really work on, you know, the alternate positions, working with slings, you know, shooting sticks, all that kind of crap. And that's what we did. That's what we did for two days. And, uh, you know, he was shooting, a, you know, a 308. You know, he, actually, he was shooting a cross, a SIG cross in 308. Oh, nice. 
And uh, man had a, you know, a scope with a duplex reticle on it. He didn't need anything in it because he wasn't going far. You know what I mean? He wasn't going far at all. And so that, that was all he did. He's, he's getting ready to retire and he wanted to, you know, he's going to start hunting a hell of a lot more and stuff like that. So we came over and spent two days on that. But that's that, that's what you're talking about, that short range work, you know, that being really precise, you know, on that thing to where you're leaning up against a tree or, you know, you, for, maybe, maybe have something to rest against. But then if you don't, you know, being able to utilize the sling, we spend a lot of time just sling work. And uh, I, I don't think people work on sling work near as much. You know, you know how I, my, my passion for that, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And so, uh, well, and go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, Kevin, Kevin from Q, who the sick cross is after the Q fix. Yeah. I've noticed Kevin from Q has been running all over around the world, shooting huge big game. He was just in Africa. Then he went to Argentina and he's shooting all trophy stuff with the fix. And he's yep. using a fix to do it. And I even think he brought Jared Joplin with him on some of them. Mm-hmm. I saw Jared Joplin with them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Jared builds some stuff for him. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's just like there's room to adjust here, Yeah, I think, in the hunting world because we still treat it like one size fits all. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess in certain contexts you can get away with that if you're close enough. Mm-hmm. But. You know, I, I tell students in, in, in my classes on the hunting side when they're the hunting guys, it's like this opens up your possibilities. You, right. You're now more successful to four, five, and 600 yards. And yeah, I wouldn't recommend them shooting past six. But inside six, they can own pretty much any animal they see if their terrain lets them. Absolutely, there's there's areas you're going to hunt. You co- you don't see past 50 yards. Right. And, and, and you should adjust accordingly. But if you're in an area that's got room and you're glassing and doing stuff, well, it's the difference between there's a, there's a so-so animal at 200 and there's a trophy at 400. Yeah. Well, if you practice, have the equipment and can take that 400 yard shot, one shot, one uh, kill successfully, that's, that's only doing you better. Yeah. Instead of this, Hey, you know, everything's 70 yards and in and let's do it this way which is kind of how I think big hunting is looked at. You yeah. know, there's always exceptions, but yeah, for sure. I think big hunting is looked at as a one size and where if they segmented it, fine tuned it and adjusted it, you'd see, you'd see a big change like, you know, anything else we see when we change stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, the furthest, furthest shot I made on an animal ever was 1574. And, uh, it was a pig and I got it, but, you know, and then as, you know, as I'm going forward, you know, everything was, was right that day, you know what I mean? But there are days, you know, when I'll say, okay, this is a, this is a short shot, you know, it'll say it's 480, but you know, I might not take it maybe because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not absolutely certain of my position that I'm in and things like that. And so if I, if I feel like that, if I feel like I can't absolutely hit the heart, I won't take the shot. And sometimes, you know, sometimes that's, that's in close, you know, inside that 500, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's uh it's a thousand, you know, it just depends on not only the equipment, we know the equipment will do it, especially the equipment I use, but we, we have to understand too, you know, what, what, what I've seen happen with wind, you know, and things like that. And I, to be honest, the reason that I won't take that shot, you know, first and foremost, I want it to be an ethical shot. But second, and a very, very close second, is I don't want to track the damn thing. You know what I mean? I want it to die right, right where right. it is. That way I don't have to waste a bunch of energy, you know, going and tracking it, you know, on a on a so-so shot whenever I say, okay, well, you know, 
maybe that today is just not the day for that one. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a yes. Sir. I mean, it's, it's what I just said. You know, I had two smaller rafts in Alaska. I called a, your Karen called it in. Karen called a giant freaking moose in at 225 when I popped my laser on it. The gun zeroed at 200. It was her rifle. So I got a 200-yard zero on a rifle, and I got a moose that walked in on 225. He's right there, and the answer was, no, I can't shoot it because I can't carry it, and I'm going to waste it. Right. So, you know, so there's decisions that have to be made and ethical, and that, that, that one shot, one kill is definitely one of them. I mean, out here, you've been out to the ranges with lens area and yeah. stuff. Where, where I'm shooting at Fort Morgan, Adam and those guys have shot uh, Proghorn past 800 yards on that range. Yeah. And DRT'd them right there. I mean, yeah. they're small, number one. The Proghorns are tiny. Um, but, you know, they know that range because the Proghorns come on our training range. Right. And they see one at 1,000 yards that's just standing there, which is what they do. They stand broadside. They don't move. Right. And it's like, okay, I'll take a shot on that target because – I hit that plate that's 10 feet away from it a thousand times. I know the wind call and they do, and they'll take it past 800 yards. Um, but it's context. And, and that's what it comes down to is, is understanding. And the only way more people have a greater or a broader understanding of context is through training. Yeah, for sure. They have to know their limits, you know? Yeah. We we had a little event called know your limits for the longest time. (laughs) We used to. Yeah. We yeah, to teach somebody to say, no, that's not my shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. Well, back to that. It really is. Yeah. Back to that uh, other thing that you were talking about. You were, I stopped you at about June. I, I wanted, I was up there in June in your area and uh, I did a, a law enforcement course and I did a 22 course and a government agency course, but we didn't do the field craft. So I didn't get a chance to run into you this year. Yeah, and I was running around, too, and I was like, oh, shoot, Jacob's up the road, because you've reached out to me, and yeah. you're like, hey, I'm going to be up, and I'll give you a ring, and then I was like, okay, but I mean, we've just been so busy ourselves. I was in Nebraska, um, great facility out there, it's got the right winds, the right terrain, a good target package, and then uh, we had the Alaska, and uh, then Fort Morgan and stuff, and now the next week I head to Iowa, uh, you know, and then uh, after that's the hunt, and then uh, September... Uh, is Pennsylvania. Then we're going to Andrew's place in Ohio. Oh, nice. Andrew's place is, is coming up nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing, so he's first, doing really good work up there. He really is. And, mm-hmm. and so Andrew Blumbaugh, who used to work with Jacob and myself uh, down uh, at Jake's place, but he has a place in Ohio and does, you know, law, and, and I guess with the school stuff, yep. he's been in newspapers and um, different things because He's a LE and he's yeah. doing school training. Yeah, I listened uh, or I watched the thing that ha- they had done on Shooting USA, and they had done it on on his faster program. I thought, you know, it's a it's a bunch of people, but it's you know him and Sereno and a bunch of people up there. If they're, you know, they have a really good program that's like a it, it's just dedicated right to teachers and you know teachers caring in a classroom. And uh, man, they were I was listening. I didn't have I didn't have the uh, the copy of that. So I called Scouting and I asked him, hey, man, where can I find this? And he told me where to find it. So I went back and watched it. And man, they're they're doing really good work. I mean, really good, you know, practical training, which relative to some of the other programs that other states have, um, it, it's head and shoulders above that. So they're they're doing really good with that school stuff. 
Nice. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, we're using Andrew's range in um, September, October. It's like, I think the uh, first week in October, I'll be at Andrew's. But you know, the nice thing too with him and then going back to, you know, back in the day, kind of reminiscent stuff. I like that, like jumping into a few matches out here again, that we still have a handgun component. Right. Like we used to have. Right. Versus the precision rifle guys that, that eliminated the handgun. Um, you know, I really like that we always maintain the handgun component and just, you know, the, the fact that out West they're back to handgun a bit, yep. um, not super heavy, but enough to keep you honest. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's and, true. And man. I really appreciate that, that, you know, here we are precision rifle guys, but I mean, the handgun is, a, is an important element and you know, that's where Andrew's big focus is, is the handgun carbine side of things. Right. But I, I I mean, incorporating it with your precision rifles is is key, man. Oh, absolutely. Got to make noise and fight back to my long gun. Yeah, yeah. What was that? What was that quote, quote that says, "A uh, uh, handgun is best utilized to fight your way back to your rifle, which you never should have put down in the first place, dumbass." Yes, yes, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's that's like the best. Yeah, well, but I know I mean, that we do the handgun down here. You know, with we have a couple events that you know handgun component and part of it. But then one that we did was one that we did was a handgun mover. And like that was the the most popular event. I mean, people just love to shoot that, and it's just it's incredible. I mean, it, well, it's nice, you know, we got movers, so we'll do it. But it's typically the last event. Just line up, you get two passes of the mover in ten rounds, and uh, it's it was really cool. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna incorporate that again in February when we do our match down here. Yeah, and I remember Lindy running that stage the last time I was there. We had a handgun mover when I shot. Yeah. Um, and it is it's one of the most fun stages you can shoot. Yeah, is 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 because it's it's sort of wide open. Yeah, you know everybody's sort of stacked up there. You're not very far away from the mover. Right, and it's it's like a cheerleading stage. Right, everybody, everybody gets involved, man. <laughs> yes, everybody it, gets it's involved. It's a cheerleading stage. It's not like there's no you know no wind call to worry about. None of this kind of stuff. And I get to cheerlead. The, that guy to do better yep. and and it's like yeah dude oh that was a great run you just had oh look at did you see that were you here when and, that guy and, shot the 44 magnum revolver on it i don't think so but yeah. that doesn't mean i just missed it um, <laughs> yeah no he, yeah. he was here it was everybody was freaking out because he was going to shoot that 44 magnum revolver on there and he did really really well but that other guy i know he was here when you were here he's a local shooter named walder and uh his his trigger finger uh, for his handgun he, it's it's screwed up because he got bit by a rattlesnake so he lost some of the some of the the muscle inside there and so he starts to shoot his Glock upside down using the pinky and he did yeah. he 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 shot it a hundred percent shooting that way I mean it wasn't his first time to do it obviously that's crazy yeah. that's, and it's you could do I mean it, it reminds me of when like Lindy was running the stage and I had my buddy Ted down there and Ted shot sideways because he's a terrible handgun guy and he <laughs> shot a gangster sideways and Lindy just looked at him like dude what are you doing and he and he's like you know Connecticut gangster what do you want man <laughs> and um <laughs> you know and, and but yeah it's just it's fun. I mean, just think of the handgun drag we used to do. We yep. shot the bolt gun at a hunter on paper. Yep. Slinged your gun. Got yep. to throw it on your back. Picked up the sack of molasses chips or whatever we had in that bag with like 80 pounds. Yeah. And then drag it 100 yards while you're shooting your handgun with one hand to the end. You're dropping the bag, then running up your berm. And your 100-yard berm is, is, what is it, 25, 35 feet? Ah, it's not, not that, it's not that much it's probably probably 20 
20 feet. Yeah, it's yeah. still it's still a vertical climb. Yeah, it's steep. It's and steep. Then, yeah, you're running up that berm and then taking a rifle shot down the backside. Yeah, at a little bitty, know, little bitty target at 140 yards. That's how far that one was. Right. And, and yeah. it, but it was fun. I yep. mean, here here it was your rifle shot. Okay, that woke everybody up. Now you got to help your buddy, drag him down. You're, you're, you're shooting targets with it. Drop your buddy off and then run up and finish fighting the guys that took off and, you know, ex- 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 exploit the retreat. Yep. And boom, it, it's just like was so great of a stage. And you just don't, nobody will invest 100 yards of movement anymore. Right. And, and it, it's kind of crazy that where they've kind of shaved and cut corners to make things simpler in these events, you know, three steps, you know, drop your bag on a piece of wood, three steps, drop your bag on a piece of steel, yeah. three steps, drop your bag on a different piece of wood versus where we used to run. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 it just, God, it was crazy. I do miss, and I almost want to do it myself, is how we used to do the final test on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Where the- people ran the entire property and did basically – we. Your your classes, your PR one and two, six days. No, and not anymore. It's five days, on, but it was six days. Right, but on Saturday it used to be like a final test. Yeah, Watson's challenge. And it literally, it, like the fastest guys ever, it would take them forty five minutes to complete if you ran it flat out. Yep. And so, to me, that was such a great way of incorporating everything. To say, all right, you, all week you did this, 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 and this. Now today you're going to run to the tower, do the long range. You're going to run down here and do a different one. You're going to run over here and do the barricades. You're going to run through here through the kill house and the carbine pit. And then you're going to end it over here and put it all together and then score people like an event. And to me, that was a super fun way of finishing a class off, you know, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. We did that when started that a long, long, long time ago. And, uh, it was, you know, the, it, we called it Watson's challenge at the time and it was, we changed it up. You know, it, it, it was never the same from one class to the next, you know, it was always changing it up here and there. And so that, that was right, man. There was a lot of movement on those and it's, we do a competition at the end now, but, uh, yeah, you're right, man. Those are the days. Those are the fun ones. So those are the ones that were, you know, really stand out in my brain. Yeah. Well, speaking, you need to, cause like, Next year, man, is, is is twenty years on the cup. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know if you heard if you heard me mention, but I, I'm going to basically end it right there and go out with one final big cup. Okay, and be done. So yeah. I'm going to do one up here, uh, field course. It's going to be you know moving around, and I'm kind of going to go in a direction um, that's different. Like I don't want to do the contrived and, and anything like that as, as much as we when are you going to do the, when are you going to do this Frank what what's your time next year September September N- next year I was going to do it in November at Cameo mm-hmm. but right now Cameo's in a weird flux with the magazine thing they got yeah. going on because that that was and, and you know what Colorado's now getting sued because the Supreme Court shot down a lot of those magazine bans right and and so what happened for people listening on the podcast is Cameo's a huge state-run, gorgeous facility out by Grand Junction. And it's on the tabletop mountains. It's got like 
40 side-by-sides that are like eight passenger. You could drive around. You could do all kinds of crazy stuff. But they recently had some kind of carbine event. Like the, um, it's either the nine mil carbines, the PDWs, or they were having a carbine centric event in a state rep through a fit because Grand Junction's sheriff won't enforce the rules. Like we have, uh, outward lens place in my place is out at Wells is a sanctuary city, mm-hmm. a second amendment sanctuary. So mm-hmm. they don't give a shit what you do. Right. And same thing with out at Wells. Well, this politician threw a fit and because the range is run by the state of Colorado, put some on the scale and said they wanted affidavit signed. They wanted a bunch of paperwork when you showed up to certify your magazines weren't bought after the ban. Right. Yeah, that's and a it's stupid. Pain, so now, yeah, it's pain in the ass. Yeah. So everybody's canceling all the cameo stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's going to work itself out because, like I said, they are suing the state, you know, as we talk. Right. But Cameo got forced into enforcing the rules. Okay. And so I kind of begged off of doing it at Cameo. And then I'm probably going to do it out uh, uh, east of me a little bit by Jake's Place in Nebraska because it's super similar. Mm Mm-hmm. It's only three hours. It's the same distance, whether I drove to Cameo or I drive to his place. Yeah. Distance is the same. Well, keep me posted on the date, Frank. I'll go up there and I'll give you a hand. Yeah. I mean, I think anything, what I'm thinking, what I'll present to you is to do sort of like have a Jacob-centric stage, you know, (laughs) where basically you just, you write yourself a stage and we'll implement it and give you the property, the distance and the thing and say, hey, man. Do a stage and do a combo handgun carbine if you want, or not carbine, but long gun, um, and do something like that and have a rifles only stage in there. Well, the cup did start at rifles only. Well, exactly. And, and, and other than the fact that, you know, it, 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 things have evolved and changed, oh, yeah. but I still think we can go back in time and just show some people what they missed out on. Yeah, how things could have been and used to be run, and um, you know some of those different things. Because I mean, that's kind of all like anybody talks about lately is the changes. You know, well they're doing this now. We used to do this before. This sucks this way. That was better then. Uh, I, I mean, because really, even if you troll Facebook, like there is a ton of people longing for the old days the props you know the ogs they're giving props to the guys like you and me yeah and and they're saying you know matches were more fun back then yeah they were and and, you know everybody was smiling the whole time you know what i mean and (laughs) you don't don't get that now well you know what it was with jacob it was going to rifles only for a sniper's high cup was an event yeah it was a destination yeah i mean Think about how many people used to show up on the Sunday before yep. for a two and a half day train up, then to take two days off because we're cleaning up and straightening out the range and getting it ready, and then to do the three day match. So you got people spending an entire week there yep. just to be around what was happening with that event. Yeah, yeah. You're right, man. You're right. Well, and 
on on another note, if you're going to give me a stage up there at the final Snipers Hide Cup, uh, I, I, just a little tip. I think you should probably put in your in your welcome packet. Bring a sling. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm good with it. You know what? You're probably going to need a sling anyway, or something similar. Yeah. Because you're going to be moving and yep. walking. Yeah, so sure. how you hold your rifle, and I get those clips now. The MDT clip is kind of cool. Um, in in all, but um, yeah. I mean. A, a, a sling might not be a bad thing to bring and yeah. is it really that heavy and is it really in your way yeah and it's probably going to help you shoot better too it, it probably will it probably I mean, will there, you know for that stuff but i mean i think there's other things too like chris and i've been looking at target size and target packages and the mile per hour guns and you know how you can balance the scoring in the field by just giving having a, a big target versus small. Right. I mean, you've got these rock stars that hit everything and clean a ton of stages. Okay, you guys are going to do a one and a half to half MOA set of targets. Right. And then you got everybody else that might be the three to one and a half MOA. So you got a three MOA target and then down to a one and a half. And it's all the same event. It's just you're shooting a different target and handicapping people a little bit. Yeah. Because they're not in the same space. Right. And you you've been and talking about I this think, on the hide on the hide TV, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and I I the hide TVs goes part of the app. Yeah. So if anybody doesn't know, Sniper Hide has its own app now, and built within the app, I have a live streaming service, which is the hide TV stuff. And um, the nice thing is you can go back and watch the videos. You know, they don't disappear from the live. They're right in the app. Mm-hmm. And But, yeah, if I go live, which I'm probably going to do one again tomorrow. I did one last week. Yeah. I'll probably do one tomorrow. But, yeah, we talk about all this stuff. I answer random questions. I answer them straight up because mm-hmm. uh, there is a chat feature. There is a talk to Frank part in there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the high TV shit is is fun it's a little complicated on my end yeah like i can't just pull it out on the range and go i have to connect three programs yeah they got to do that uh, there at your studio yeah pretty much unless i have a good connection you know what i mean because yeah. i'm linking i'm linking you know the computer and the camera system to uh like a vimeo right and then from vimeo i'm linking to a connector and then that connector attaches me to the Sniper's Hide TV app. All right, so I have well, to have all three yeah. of those talk to each other. Well, we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to do that whenever you do the final cup. And, uh, man, I got the – whenever I was up in Colorado this time, I ended up with um, pretty, pretty piss-poor internet, and I ended up getting Starlink, and I have it on the RV thing. Oh, nice. So I could drive up there, would take the Starlink, and you could set up all your shit there. Oh, that, you know what? To be honest, that would be awesome. We could do a before, a middle, and an after and with the lives and just send the lives loose. So absolutely, if you got Starlink. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so that. impressed with it. I'm really impressed with it. The, the landowner saw our performance. He ended up getting his own. And uh, it, it was like, he says it was like six times faster than his normal stuff. We were able to stream. We were able to communicate. And you know, phone service sucks out there. Like, I know it sucks where you are. And I just started doing, you know, 100% internet calls. And there was no delay, nothing. I mean, that thing performed flawlessly. So, yeah, I'll bring it. That's that's awesome. Yeah, so I want to do that and then connect on the high TV. I yeah. mean, at some point, the goal with high TV, 
would almost be to like have you connect into the same system. And I got the girls that are ready to train people on it, Mm -hmm. but you be able to connect into that same system and have your own sort of rifles only channel on snipers hide high TV. Perfect. I want to, and I, I, I called it TV because I kind of think streaming is going to go that direction. Yeah. Where, I mean, we're already doing it, you know, Oh, tune in on this day to watch this guy's podcast. Yeah, but it's good that that, that that stays right there. It stays in your app too, so somebody can come back if they can't. You know, that's my problem is every time somebody's going to be live that I you know have a passing interest in, I'm I've got a class or I'm doing a night shoot or something like that, so it kind of screws me up. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm the same way. I'm on the road. You're getting ready to get on the airplane. Yep. And like you know, coming back from Alaska, you don't get a connection to you cross Canada. Right. You know, so it it total travel and the places you and I go to totally screw this up. Right. Um, because we're, like you said, we're in remote places that have next to no connection. Oh yeah. Well, I tell you, I'll bring the Starlink next year and it'll, it'll, it works flawlessly, man. It, uh, we'll, we'll be able to do yeah, that. And plus, I mean, let me know when you're, when you're ready to, to get everything technical sorted out on the, doing a rifles only channel on your site too. That'd be great. Yeah. I can get you connected at any time. I'll get you connected with Alex. I'll email both of you Okay. and, um, get you, and she can train you guys up because I mean, that's, other than me just being a scatterbrain and traveling and being around and want to dedicate time, I've just been slow to do that. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's the goal is, is I mean, we all bitch yeah. about, you know, YouTube's not gun-friendly. Facebook's right. not gun-friendly. Right. And it's like, well, I can bring some of these people that have issues with YouTube and Facebook into the Hyde app. Right. And I'm completely self-contained. Cool. You know what I mean? Even my video system, all my stuff is mine. Yeah. And nobody can turn it off. Right. So that's that's a big that's a big deal in a lot of ways um today, you know. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Hey man, well have you so, have you uh got any new products to talk about that you've been testing out or something on the horizon or anything? Yeah, I'm actually playing with a couple neat little things. I just I've been playing with it all day this morning. I just got a Calypso wind meter that's from the uh, lab radar people. Yeah. And it will, it's, it's, it's an impeller list. So no, no propellers. Mm -hmm. It's the electronic one. It's super tiny and light. Mm -hmm. Fits in the palm of your hand, weighs nothing. Mm -hmm. Connects to your phone and it's really sensitive, really accurate. But what I found is this will also connect to the AB Garmin watches. Oh, really? So that's the missing element because, like, I already can connect my Vectronics to my Garmin. Right. And the Garmin has everything but temperature already. So it has your pressure. You don't have to connect the Garmin to a Kestrel. Right. Unless you want wind and temperature. Mm -hmm. But Garmin has a $29 temperature meter, and now they have this wind meter. So I'm looking at that on how this can be mounted on a, like a monopod or something because it is small yeah. where you'd almost stick it out of your pack. Yeah. And then it has an indicator that faces the target. Well, then from there, you could just pull your watch up and you'll have your data. Right. So that's super neat as hell. And, and uh, I'm playing with that all morning, mm-hmm. but I'm actually going this afternoon and I got to be careful how I say this. Because uh, there, there, there might be some like NDA type stuff hiding in there somewhere. 
Uh, don't risk it. Don't risk it. <laughs> nah, nah, it's good. But I got new scopes coming out, and, okay. and they're pretty friggin' neat. And one of them, because you you do a ton of twenty two. Yep. And there's two scopes coming out where, like, I know on the long end, I tend to like this scope better. Like even yesterday or, or Sunday, we were shooting not these exact models, but a different model of this scope. Mm-hmm. At a mile. Mm-hmm. And we had Mirage. We It was kind of tricky conditions yesterday or Sunday. And one of our students said, wow. And they have a Collis. They, they shoot a Collis mm-hmm. uh, K5 to 25. Yeah. And they went, wow. The target at a mile looks so much crisper in that scope than my Collis. Uh... Which Collis to me is your best bang for the buck. Yeah, and what like, what, what kind of spe- what kind of price range are we looking at for this stuff, Frank? Uh, these will be like twenty two hundred bucks. Okay, all right, so um, not it, crazy. But now, here's the thing. So I turn that the other way because they have a close focus too. Mm-hmm. And like one of them is going to be a thirty six power scope, the other one's a twenty five power scope. Yeah, I put a dollar bill. 20 yards, mm-hmm. I can pick out George Washington's eyes. Yeah. And I, and I, not having to lower the power either, I can keep it cranked and I can focus on a $20 bill where I can read it 100%. Right. Now, people may say, well, okay, whatever. Well, I did that same thing with other off brand scopes, other versions of right. scopes. And it looks like George Washington is wearing a bandit mask. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, I can read it. Yeah. And so for the 22 crowd, this might be a little bit of a improvement um, for that. Now, here's the other thing. There's one of these scopes. Mm-hmm. And it's, just, it's not crazy. It's got a normal 34 millimeter tube. Mm-hmm. Everything's pretty much straightforward. Mm-hmm. Take a guess on how much elevation you're going to get. No. No, you tell me. <laughs> okay. How about 49 mils? Holy smokes. Think about that. Like a like a zero comp? Yeah. Has like 32. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it, that that just it totally eliminates the need for a slope base. Yeah, this is going to have 49. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How the hell are you guys doing that? Yeah. And and so I'm going to be playing with them. I'm like I said, I'm going to pick them up today. Okay. So I'm going to be playing with some of these scopes and stuff. So those, those kind of where I've been playing recently. Yeah. Well, I got this thing that, you know, do you know what the MUB is, Frank? M-U-B? It's a little table that you can mount your spotting scope next to your range finder and all that. It goes goes on your arc rail and your tripod. Yeah, yeah, I have a I have an able table that I have set or and I have the uh, the really right stuff, the little bar. Yeah, that has two mounts on it. But yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. So the guy who did that, um, he, he called me whenever I was up in Colorado, and he says, "Hey, man, I need you to see this video." And so I looked at this video, and it was at long range targets, and they were being shot. And whenever they were hit, uh, like this, this smoke came off of them. And I said, what the hell am I looking at? I called him. He goes, well, you know, the, the target indicators that, you know, they're out there, you know, that you set up with lights and all this other stuff. He said, man, I just can't afford them. So I needed to come up with, you know, a solution for that. And so he did. And what it is, 
is there's a reservoir that goes on the back of your target with that really, really, uh, that really, really hardcore Velcro. And there's, mm-hmm. there's a powder that goes into this reservoir and then it has a, a top with holes in it. And so you put this powder inside there and whenever you hit it, the vibration causes that powder to come out. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. So that's freaking incredible. Yeah. And so the thing about it is I said, well, I'm still up here in Colorado. I still have to finish. I got one more government agency class. So don't send them to rifles only yet. Send them whenever I get back. So he sent them and I've been, I've been doing some, I've been doing some handgun work out here too. So I've been real busy. I hadn't had a chance to put it on yet, but the videos look amazing, but I already have it here. So the next podcast I'll be able to say, cause he had it and it was like, my biggest thing was, okay, if I'm going to use this, you know, in, on a training day, okay, those targets are going to get hit a lot, you know, a hell of a lot. And, you know, what about this reservoir? Am I going to have to, you know, be going down there, you know, every 10 hits to refill it? And he had, I mean, I haven't tried it myself, but he has assured me he put one at 600 yards. He filled it up seven eighths of the way with this powder and he had it hit. He knew that he hit it over 250 times because he was counting his magazines and this was just over the course of a day. And whenever he went back down there, it was still blowing smoke and, you know, just as strong as the first impact. And whenever he went down there, it was only halfway empty. So at least, you know, <laughs> maybe close to 500 rounds on this before you have to go and put more powder in it. That is, that's a, that's a game changer. You know what I mean? Because. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Cause I mean, you think about it, you know, you and I are spot. I'm okay. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And on the spotting scope, it's like, damn, was that a hit or was that, you know, you, you're looking through Mirage and all this other shit, but on his video, I mean, he had it on a through the scope thing and there was a Mirage on that too, but there was no mistaking whenever it got hit. No question. That's pretty awesome. Cause I honestly, like out here, I, I was just, just reaching out to Ryan. Hey, this week, I just contacted him for more target indicators. The cows eat them. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. They chew on the rubber. Yeah. They, they, they like the rubber. So, you know, you're a working cow farm. I'm working on a working cow farm. Yep. If you don't take them all off, bring, put them all the way out then take them all off again. If I leave it out on the, on the target, not, mm-hmm. you know, the cows go rub against the, the steel. Yeah. But then they chew on the rubber ends of it. Right. So when you go out there, your magneto indicator is in five parts. Yeah. You got nothing. <laughs> yeah. And, and I had, you know, I had uh, 12 or 14 of them. And when I did an inventory this weekend, I have three working ones. Yeah. Cause yeah. the cows have destroyed them. So, you know, well, we uh, learned that a long time ago. So my inventory is pretty high on those. Cause we bought, we've bought two of those range packs you know, in the past. And I, I really like those indicators, but on, on the other hand, they are expensive. You know what I mean? Whenever you start, you know, yeah. getting, you know, getting them for, you know, 20 targets out there, they, they get expensive. And this is, this is a low cost solution, you know, poor man solution. That's uh, nothing wrong with that at all, you know, but I'm, uh, I'm real excited about that. Like I said, I've looked at it and uh, as soon as I get some time, I'm going to do it. I'll probably talk about it on the next one. The other thing that I got in no. that um, was kind of crazy. I started ordering this thing back in November and it's that, I don't know. Have you been, have you seen that burst thermal clip on? Uh, I've, I've seen a couple burrs because they're in my backyard. It would just depend on what model. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen their thermal stuff uh, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, well, the thing about it is, is they didn't have the uh, they didn't have the adapters. So I had the I had the clip on unit itself. I had the thermal unit itself. And then the adapters were back ordered forever. And so in the interim period, I kind of, you know, being a machinist, I kind of or <laughs> shade tree machinist. Yeah. I kind of fixed something up to make it work. But now I got the adapter in. And this thing is uh, is going to be some shit die off the tower. I tell you, the pigs, coyotes, the whole bit. This thing is is 
performing really well for its price point. Price point. It's not a cryo-cooled thermal or anything like that, but it does have a lot of features. You can record off of it. Uh, eats batteries like crazy, but all thermals eat batteries. But that's another thing. We'll yeah. be talking about that one. That I'm really excited to have that on there. That's a really, really uh, the installation onto the scope with that with the uh, with the adapters that they have is is really strong. It's really bombproof. That you have um, you have a focus out on the end of it. And I was worried that because the focus is really, really stiff. So I was thinking, man, if I turn this focus and then what's going to happen is it's going to slide inside the adapter, but it does not. It locks up really, really tight. So uh, hopefully I can get some video of that. I'll send it up to you. You can put it on sniper side. That's cool. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I just last month, because I get emails every day from every Chinese OEM company. Yep. For everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, laser range finders with AB in it. Yeah. Um, because they'll build anything. Yeah, anything. And from scopes. And I mean, I can get scopes and have, you know, sniper side scopes for $26 a piece, my cost. Nice. You know, all this crazy stuff. Yeah. So I, I keep getting these from either Instagram, YouTube, or Amazon. Hey, review our product and we'll give you this. And hey, do that. So one company that kept emailing me, I noticed that other companies were sort of using them for their OEM and, and their product looks the same as the other product. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Send me one. Send me this thermal. And I just got them in. I have three here now. I have mm -hmm. an iPhone thermal. Mm -hmm. I have a micro that goes on the front of a rifle. Mm -hmm. And I have a mini. Mm -hmm. And the mini's about the size of a PBS 14. Yeah. The micro's about a quarter of that size, oh, maybe wow. a third. And then the, the, the iPhone one is microscopic. It's only like three quarters of an inch. Yeah. And it just has a, a, an adapter collar that goes on the front of your scope. So you, you just basically unscrew the eyepiece. Yep. Take the rubber part off. Mm -hmm. Screw it into their adapter. And then it just slides over the bell. And like I have a 4 to 16 night force here with the small bell. Uh, like 42 or whatever they are. Yeah. And... It was like money. Yeah. And the things are less than 3000 bucks. I mean, the, the, the big one, the, the, the mini is 24. Mm -hmm. The micro is 12. And the iPhone is like 300, 400. Yeah. And they work really, really good. Yeah. There, seen, there's apps. I've seen some amazing shit with thermal. You know what I mean? And you, you can, you can go to like the, the bottom of the barrel all the way up to shit that, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy what you can do with thermal these days. Exactly. And, and you know, and here's the, the like you mentioned that, cause I've talked to some people lately. Um, cause you sit down with them and you get the. Did I lose you, Frank? Well, nope, hey. I'm still here. Okay. I lost you I'm there still... for half a second. Oh yeah. I'm still... So you, you get the, you know, you get people talking and, and they're going to give you a bill of goods. Right. And this is what we're selling. Well, it's like when I spoke with these guys, thermals are 90% chips. Mm -hmm. And chips are changing every day. Yep. And where are they coming from? China. So I'm like, well, let me see what this company's doing. And they're even saying, like, you know, those $10,000 flare units they had four years ago are now the same chips that are in these, you know, $1,200 unit yep. or 12, yeah, $1,200 unit today. Mm hmm. And so it's, it moves like a computer. 
how fast it moves and how the prices change. So and capabilities as my, well. Yes. And that was my thinking with, let me finally say yes to one of these companies yeah. and see what it looks like. And it's neat as hell, just how well this stuff works. Yeah, man. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, yeah, think about the, think about the technology. I mean, the first time I ever saw a thermal scope was back in the nineties. And this thing looked like a freaking suitcase on top of a rifle, Frank, you know what I mean? I mean, it was, yeah. it was huge. I, I wasn't allowed to take pictures of it, but I mean, this thing was huge. It was definitely larger than the gun. You know, I mean, not, I'm not saying a little bit larger. I mean, really, really a lot larger. And uh, now, I mean, now the latest one I saw was like, looks like a, I don't know, man, like one of those, one of those big pencils, you know, that whenever we were kids, we had those, those novelty pencils that were big and fat, just like, mm -hmm. like about that diameter, but only like an inch, you know, and it's just operates like crazy on a little watch battery. It, it, it blows me away that, you know, this stuff, cause I mean, like I said, we all played with this stuff when, when we had the classes down there. And, and, you know, how big and heavy, mm -hmm. you know, we can almost equate everything kind of reminds you we started out with everything Simrad size. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're down to, you know, everything was as big as Simrad. Yeah. And, and now we're down to stuff, you know, we're talking about pencils and, you know, all this was three quarters of an inch and you connect it to your phone. Yeah. And now you can search your house and find somebody, um, you know, go look for Bigfoot in the woods when they hear knocking. Yeah. And. Dude, you did know, I, but I told you that I told you that South Texas has a Bigfoot hunting community, right? Yes, yes, yeah, I, I know you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with one of them on Facebook. He got he had an image the other day that on one of his trail cams that it's questionable. I can't tell what it is. I don't think it's Bigfoot, but I, anyway, he he had a picture that raises some eyebrows. So, <laughs> well, and, and you know what though? But remember that time I was making fun of that, and we were in the diner, mm -hmm. we we're at the patio over there, mm -hmm. and I talked to, but he was like an Indian. I don't want to with their right terminology, but he was like a Native American type of of uh, not border patrol, but um, game, game warden. warden. Game warden. Yes, yep. game warden. And he told me your South Texas Bigfoot and Indian legend are actually shorter. Yep. They're small because yep. your stuff doesn't grow as tall. No, no. So, yeah, but I, he, he said there is a definitely a Native American Bigfoot in South Texas. Well, they got they have a whole community down here looking at South Texas Bigfoot investigations. They're on Facebook, man. It's crazy. It's well, crazy. I, yeah, I got it. That's that's kind of cool. Every <laughs> every state has a Bigfoot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But then, uh, you, know, all, you know, that other thing, too, though, Frank, there's a, you know, there's no bears here, but we had always heard that um, that there were bears in the, the, the mountains across the border in Mexico. And there's like a smaller type bear and everything else. Well, Big Bend National Park had to shut down one of their trails because there was too many bears on that trail. And like they're they're pretty rare and they, they don't want people messing with them or anything else. But they were seeing the bears out there and they actually had to close down one of the trails in a national park in Texas because those bears are migrating across. So, man, it, and it's a small bear. I mean, it's, I've seen pictures of them. Yeah. But, but hell, man, you don't know what's out there. There's just too much land. Well, I mean, it's just like every now and then we get a, a jaguar pops up in the southern U.S. Yeah. 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 For you sure. know, so yeah. it's like, where did he come from? Yeah, and then there's that other one, that other species that was supposedly supposedly went extinct in the '80s, but Jaguarundi, and they've been—it's a cat type thing, you know. Uh, but they've been there's been people seeing them in South Texas and and in Central Texas too. So you're starting to see some reports on that. I guess they did not go extinct, dude. Why did we, I, why did I, we honestly, get off I on the, the time cryptozoology? Go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I was going to say cats are tough, man, because I remember when we had the bobcat out there, yeah. just how invisible that thing can go. We were watching him, and he would disappear. Yeah. Uh, you had, In the middle pasture out there, we had a bobcat show up, and, um, you know, when we were on the tower, so we're watching them and watching them and stuff, but those guys are stealthy as hell, and they just disappear um, in a heartbeat when they want to. Yeah, if they stop moving, it's hard to see them, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, <clears throat> you knew so, I got one with uh, a stick, it, right? Oh, you speared one, didn't you? Nah, I hit it with a stick. A stick? Yeah, it was crazy. The thing about it was, it was team effort. Um, you know, I'd gotten up one morning, and I heard Corona barking like crazy, and I thought, oh, man, she's probably, you know, barking at a rattlesnake or something like that. So I went over there where the washer and dryer is, you know, underneath the patio right there next to where you used to stay. And uh, mm-hmm. so going crazy, so I see this animal run across, and it's just getting daylight, you know, and see this animal run across out to the front yard. And then, of course, both dogs chase her out there. And then the next thing you know, where I'm standing there and I picked up a stick that, you know, had just fallen off of a tree on my walk over. And, uh, man, I see this bobcat come and just go right in front, stopped and turned around right in front of those glass doors to your old hooch. And dude, like a, like a freaking fur missile, Corona went straight at it. And that, that he, like the cat got up and had the claws in Corona's back and was biting her on her head. And then she was using her back legs to like try to rip at Corona's chest and man, Corona. I mean, I'm sitting there with a stick, maybe 10 feet away, not eight feet away. And Corona, I mean, Nolan Ryan did not have the kind of accuracy that she did, but she picked up her head and she like shook it and threw that Bobcat right in front of me. And I was like, bam, hit it with a stick and killed it. <laughs> it killed it. And so I'm thinking to myself, there is no way that shit just happened. And so fortunately I looked up and Lisa was sitting there with her, like, you know how tall she is. Her jaw was actually mm-hmm. on the ground. She goes, Oh my God, you actually did that. <laughs> so, yeah. That's funny. I'm the only person I know who's killed a bobcat with a stick and I don't know that I want to do it again. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's, that's definitely a record book one, man. you know, <laughs> for this, sure. this is my bobcat. Did you, you know what? You should almost hang that stick next to Kevin Drake barrel barrel with the yeah. bent rod in it yeah because it's a yeah yeah for sure man that would be all right yeah yeah <laughs> that barrel's it, still it, up there it, man is it <laughs> oh yeah the barrel's still up there i'm not moving that barrel that barrel's gonna stay there forever that's funny <laughs> that's funny as hell man but yeah i mean there's a lot of neat stuff i'm i mean i've been personally backing off i'm only picking and choosing something piece of equipment i'm looking at yeah i tell a lot more people no than i tell them yes yeah anymore just because i'm so busy yeah i'm traveling yeah, and, it, and it's hard to, um, uh, you know, do the reviews and do the videos like I was doing when I'm on the road. Um, you know, you come home, like you said, getting our age, we come home and we have to like melt into the couch for three days to recover. Dude, it takes so long to recover these days. <laughs> it, it really does, you know. <laughs> yeah, we were talking um, yesterday. One of the one of the guys who was a student, he's contracting now. He stopped by to visit yesterday, and we're all sitting on chairs out in the barn there talking, just so we could be in the shade and still, you know, still get breeze and everything else. And so it's time to leave, and we all stand up and. We kind of looked at each other. He says, you know how much noise we make just standing up these days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Getting, old, getting old is not for the weak of heart. That's for sure. <laughs> no, you know what? Everything that all the old guys told us when we were growing up is like coming true when we all laughed at it. I know. Like, I know. And we look at somebody you're, you're who cranky was. old guy. Exactly. We look at somebody who's 45 and say, holy shit, they're old, you know? And I'm just like, damn, at 54, I don't feel old, yeah, but yeah. I do and feel old like, as hell. <laughs> 
Yeah, you could feel it for sure. But, yeah. I mean, it's fun playing with the same stuff. Where are you going? Just real quick, though. Where are you going right now, like, is your go-to caliber? Are you doing anything different? Or are you just, like, what gun are you picking up more often than not? Man, you know, I got the I got the new ATX. And, um, you know, I got it from Mile High. And, uh, I, you know, they come with the 6.5. And before it even got here, I just told those cats, I said, go ahead and spin me up a 6-millimeter because I had a 6-millimeter barrel on my, on my AW. And so I got that. I had the six millimeter on there. I ended up killing some stuff with it. Uh, killed an elk with it. I killed a nail guy with it. And then, you know, it was kind of, you know, I, I really like that caliber. I guess as I'm getting older, recoil sensitive, you know, the whole 4570 story, I want to shoot, I don't want to shoot it that much. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm liking it. I like it down here. And this kind of answers one of the questions that had come up too. Uh, I like it down here because I can go as far as I want to with that thing in the sea level air. You know, the air is really thick down here. And with that six millimeter, you know, I'm able to, I'm able to shoot as far as I want to. And so I like it for that. You know, it's a light bullet. So you kind of got to get used to it, what it's doing in the wind and stuff like that, but no different than learning a 308 or a 300 wind mag or anything else. You know, they're, they're pretty predictable once you figure out the personality of it in the wind, you know, I'm liking it. Um, but then at the brawl, uh, this comp- this uh, couple comes in from uh, Phoenix, and she is shooting a 22 Creed. You know, I'd heard about that and everything else, but I thought, well, I'm just gonna kind of I want to kind of be a stalker whenever she's up on the tower, and you know, see what dope she uses whenever she's using that long range stuff. And so I, I went up there when she was doing it. I walked right down and I called my Smith and I said, spin me up a 22 Creed barrel. Now I have not put it on yet. I've got a hundred rounds of it. Custom reloads of Dallas made a hundred rounds to see if it likes those loads or anything. And so I haven't shot it yet, but it should, it should go about 3420. Um, I'm thinking if I like that, I know the barrel life is going to suck, but I'm going to just see if it works, get some more stuff. And I'm planning on doing some prairie dog with it, with it next spring, if that one works. But, um, nice. I, yeah, I, I think, you know, 3420, you know, with a, with a 70 grain bullet, 75 grain bullet, you know, and that, I'm thinking that would be a, a nice, you know, prairie dog gun, you know, with the exception of, you know, you're going to wear out the barrel really quick, but you know how I feel about that. You know, barrels are like tires, change them, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, change them whenever you need to, and don't worry about it. Um, but no, the, the six grade more is, is what I've been going. I've, I've shot a few of the students, you know, the six GT, um, yeah, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, positive or negative on that. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I could give me either one of them. I don't really care, you know? Um, and then, you know, of course, you know, the, this old stuff that we're having to shoot all the time with students that come through and then the, the clients that we train, you know, it's pretty much limited to, you know, seven, six, two and 300 wind mags, but you know, that, that's about it. I think my little fun gun is the, is the six. I'm actually in that same direction. So I've been doing a ton of the six Creed more myself yeah. because one, when I travel around, I can find factory ammo for it. Yep. Um, so getting ammo has been easy for six Creed more. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I burnt out my, um, I had the, the gap team gun mm-hmm. from back in the K and M days and all that down there. But, um, that was six Creed more. Mm-hmm. I had Caleb at alpha and Omega mm-hmm. rebarrel it into a GT. Okay. And, I'm really digging that GT. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in. I just put the whole gun together into a cop gun, balanced it, did the whole thing. And I got some, uh, I got some one tens loaded up and then I have the factory one Oh nine, uh, that I'm playing with, but that now I've been shooting the metric not out of the Valkyrie. Yeah. And for like teaching 
and work and messing around, the Valkyrie is insanely awesome. Yeah. As soon as you go to a competition, nobody can see it. And I can't even, like, I, I took it to Colville mm-hmm. and shot the uh, Sniper Side Challenge with it in Colville in yeah. the rain green woods. Yeah. You can't see anything. Yeah. And now if I come out here, I get dirt and yeah. I get dust, I can see it. Right. But as soon as, and then, like, every RO on any target, like, past 600 yards, mm-hmm. The ROs were like, dude, we can't see that. Ah, you need that you need that hit indicator that I'm getting ready to put on my targets. Yeah, we do. But so the to me, like I really like the Valkyrie. Now here locally, talking the twenty two Creedmoor, mm-hmm. we got guys locally shooting the twenty two GP. Mm-hmm. And they're basically they kinda cap that guy at about thirty two hundred feet per second. Yeah. Like the GT is capped, you know, right. lower anyway. Yeah. But um, I there's definitely because like looking at the Valkyrie stuff I'm shooting, and then looking at this 22 GT that's showing up around here. Yeah. The 22s definitely want to be, you know, 2900 or higher. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I'm 27 with the Valkyrie, and I think that's the negative. So. In the bolt gun, guys are actually on sniper side, like playing with powder with the Valkyrie. And we got a couple guys that have got the Valkyrie with the 90 grain bullets to go over 29. Okay. And so I'm almost thinking if I can get a load in the 2900 with the Valkyrie, that would make it a little more viable. Right. But the, the 3200 22 GT these guys are shooting, they're totally top fiving the matches with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're That's doing just really good, man. That's just screaming. It really is. Mm-hmm. And if you're going 34, you're yeah. even crazier. Um, which is good though. Cause that's where the 22s want to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to pay for that, you know, just because it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to have like three barrels on hand in case I go really stupid with the prairie dogs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but to be honest with you, like I talked to Vibbert at the match and Vibbert mm-hmm. was telling me he's like going through 12 barrels a year with whatever he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and so, that's, you know, that's no big deal, man. It's no big deal. Go through. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying that's the, that's the, that's the mindset now is that yeah, barrels are tires. And yep. if you're going to be going to the races, every race, you're almost going to be changing your friggin' tires yep. and your barrel midway through your race so, twice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yep. you know what I mean? If every, yeah. if every other event they got a new barrel on their gun, they're kind of like putting that into their thinking. Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, 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 I'm totally with you. I'm, I'm liking going into the smaller caliber. Yep. I'm liking doing the six mils and the 20s now. Although the wind out here, I will tell you this. Um, we had somebody shooting the six Creedmoor alongside the Valkyrie at, on Sunday. And once you get to that thousand yards, the Valkyrie actually uses less wind than the, uh, than the Creedmoor, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to to think about. But, um, yeah, I've seen that a couple of times now where the Valkyrie has passed the six millimeters in terms of wind drift, uh, which is neat. But I mean, it's, it's all relative now. I mean, everybody's kind of getting it figured out wind call, but I mean, I'm still using six, five Creedmoor a lot because our winds, we're almost require it. Yeah, for sure. You got to have the, a little bit heavier the, bullet. The little heavier bullet. Yeah, a little heavier. A little bit better. And, but you got to keep your speed up. You can't do 
you know, 2750, you want to do 2850 in order to be able to take advantage yeah. of the caliber. You know, if you're doing 2750, you might as well have a six millimeter. Yeah. Well, part things. of that too, though, is that, you know, that, you know, people don't realize your, your ballistic coefficient is, is it, it's a function of your speed too. You know what I mean? I mean, you got yeah, to, yeah, to enjoy that, you know, you need to bump that up. It's just like on the old, you know, reliable 118 LR, you know, shooting 175 grain, you know, they always, it, I mean, Sierra called that at 505, but it's only 505 if you start out faster than 2800. And so in regular 76251, right. you weren't getting that, you know what I mean? So it was at 496 is what we the normally thing that we would use and it would work, you know, it works pretty good, but then, you know, that's, that's back in the old days. And now, you know, bullets have gotten, you know, even better you know they're performing even better now so still man if you can get them going faster it's it's uh you know you can enjoy a little bit a little bit better flight characteristics yeah speed wins for sure yeah um and 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 when what we're doing and stuff i mean we can get away with it but it's going to be a little bit more work especially on the on the edges out out here yeah i hear you but um yeah no i just wondering if you would kind of if you adjust it a little bit oh yeah for sure the same way yeah well i was running i was running six five on my aw and i had gone through i don't know how many barrels on that one you know we're just shooting six five and then i got this wild hair i just wanted to start try a six so i tried a six dumped another couple barrels with that and then of course whenever i had i ordered the the atx and it was a while for it to come in but Whenever I called them and I wanted to, you know, spin up a six barrel, so it was going to be delivered with two barrels. And so they asked for what contour, get this, you're going to love this shit. I told them, I want you to go back to the original AW contour, you know, which is a pretty thin contour. And that's yeah, like a light palma. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, you know, it's not the big, you know, boat axle that people were, you know, having these days. And it's not, you know, it's nothing like that. That gun that gun shoots, I mean, a hundred times better than I do, Frank. And it's, there was, had nothing to do with it and it'll do it all day too. You know I mean? As long as you're not getting stupid with it, but Mm -hmm. I mean that I like that thinner barrel because, you know, it did make the gun lighter and it was a little bit easier to throw around and easier for me to shoot on the, you know, whenever I'm slung up and stuff like that. So I went that route, but you know, I, I really like that six millimeter. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what that 22 is going to do. I just need to find some time to to screw that thing on there. Yeah, but I, I had your um your South Texas guys with Gilbert and them, and Enrique did my bolt for my AX. My yeah. AX is a Valkyrie right now. Nice. And I have that bolt head from Enrique. Yeah. Um, which is down in your neck of the woods, and yeah. he put that together for me, and it's it's shooting God lights out. That thing shoots so damn well, and I was able to get a mag that's actually feeding the Valkyrie out of the AX. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh. Yeah, I mean, I put that thing together as kind of an experiment with those guys. Mm-hmm. They've been working the two two three angle, right? Yeah, they have. And, and the Valkyrie, yeah, and the Valkyrie's not that far off. Yeah. And so um, he put it together for me. I had Adam spin it up, and I'm really digging it. But like I said, it's more of a work gun demo gun. Yeah. You know, cause you can do whatever you want yeah. with it. And but like I said, once you go out into the real world and somebody else's rules. Um, then, then you, you're, you know, well, that guy can't see it. They yeah. can't see it. Nobody saw the splash. Um, even here locally, what I've done, cause we have on our Pawnee match, there's a target out to 1420 or 1475. Mm-hmm. So I brought the Valkyrie a couple times and then on the long plates, they can't see it. Right. So I've even said now, all right, I'm going to hold three tenths off the left. And you're going to get a splash one foot right here. When you see the splash, tell me, they see the splash, and then I go, okay, I'm putting it on the plate now. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so you got to almost dump a point and let yeah. the spotter see what he's looking at. Yeah, just so they'll move it over. Yeah, it's yeah. Just weird. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like I care where I ended up in the match. I'm just playing with it to see what it'll do. Yeah, just having some fun. <laughs> yeah, cool, yeah, man. exactly. Get out and then get out and, and do the stuff from somebody else's rules, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, man, I'm looking forward to to getting up into your neck of the woods. I'm going to be there next week, Frank. Um, Mile High is having a vendor day on Wednesday. And so, oh, okay. yeah, so I'm going to be there and I think the night force guy is going to be there, but we're going to be talking about, you know, the, we'll be there from like, I think 12 until six. I might be there in the morning for the law enforcement thing. Okay. Too. I'll, I'll see you. Cause I might 50, 50, if I'll be home, I know the night I'm seeing the night force guys for dinner the night they come in, Cool. but cool. I didn't know about the vendor day, but anyway, yeah. I, Mark comes in the next day for us to go to Iowa. Okay. But if I'm around, I'll I'll definitely pop up and see you guys. Yeah, yeah, swing by. I'm I'm just going in for the day. I'm getting in the day before and leaving the day after. But I'll I'll be up there. That's, I, again, it's at Mile High. You know, right there in your neck of the woods. And uh, another thing to look for with us, uh, we're getting ready to launch a new website this week. Our our web developer def- decided to go on a permanent vacation, so we're having to rebuild the website. That'll be going. Uh, we have some new classes coming up. And also, if you have any questions for this podcast, we didn't really cover too many of them today. But uh, ROAP at RiflesOnly.com, Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. If anybody's got any questions out there, if you got questions for Frank, you can typically find his email anywhere. But if you can't, email it to Rope, and I will forward it over to Frank. Uh, you got anything you want to close out with, Frank? No, just the app is in both the um, uh, Android and iPhone. Sniper's High, just type in Sniper's High. It'll come up Sniper's High LLC. But the, uh, the app goes right on your phone, logs you right into the thing. We got the high PD to stream in. The articles are there. The forums there. Uh, so, I mean, we're busier than ever as far as the site goes, and especially with the uh, the upgrades. But, no, I appreciate you to put on the podcast. And then I have the Everyday Sniper podcast, yep. uh, which is out there. We just did an episode with Mark last week. So there's one there, um, a new one. And, um, no, it's been a last talking to you and i totally enjoyed it yeah man i appreciate you coming on like i said i hadn't i haven't done one since before i was in colorado and i did whenever i was coming back i don't know if i told you that but my uh, my truck broke down and so it didn't break down it just got to where it was overheating when i was pulling my house behind it so i had to leave my, my oh yeah yes yeah, so i had to leave my camper in amarillo and then come back to kingsville because it wasn't overheating if i didn't have a load on the truck so i came back here they, you know, hooked it up to the computer. So, oh yeah, here's your problem. So they got all that fixed up and everything else. But whenever the camper came back, that's when my, all my gear, all my podcasting studio gear was in the camper. And so I, I said, let me say the camper's back. Let me call Frank and get him on here real quick. So, uh, there you go. There yeah. you go, man. So yeah, yeah appreciate everybody listening and, and all that. And, um, yeah, I'll be in touch. Uh, I'll be in and around. Okay. I'll give uh, you a call when I get there. I, I think I get there at a decent hour on the Tuesday before. So I'll holler at you. Just let you know that I'm, that yeah, I'm there. Not, maybe I'm I can have you come to dinner or something. I'm yeah. supposed to go to dinner with night force that night, but right. I don't think it's locked down, but yeah, let me know. And I, uh, we're going to be in Westminster area anyway. So we'll go eat there. All right, man. That sounds good, dude. That sounds really good. And again, thank you again for coming on, Frank. I appreciate it. As usual, you're a fantastic guest. I'm so excited. You're going to go hunt, man. That's awesome. It only took you freaking yeah, yeah, 50 gonna, years to do it. You. <laughs> I've shot stuff. I just haven't shot stuff for real. Yeah, you know? yeah. I gotta well, do. Good. I gotta shoot things legally now. I guess although predators don't count, you get to kill predators. Yeah, I that's killed right. Predators. But now you but get to. I've get, never get done anything. Shoot something that you can eat. Yeah, exactly. Trophy. I've never done a trophy shoot. I've only just done predators <laughs> and right. nuisance. You know. I hear you, brother. Cool, man. Take care of yourself. You got it, buddy. Later. Later.